Welcome back, everyone, to the Practicology Podcast. This is episode 51, and it is our third episode in our series on the habits of grace or the spiritual disciplines. We're thankful that you have the habit of tuning into the Practicology Podcast, but there are even more valuable spiritual habits to have. So we've spoken a couple weeks ago with Thomas Seal about learning and reading. And last week, we talked about the discipline of gathering with the church And today we're thinking about the spiritual discipline of prayer. And Mike, I'm glad you're doing this one. Prayer is hard, some of us would feel like, and I'm one of the ones that feel like that sometimes. But I'm looking forward to getting some help from you in this episode. Yeah, prayer can be really hard. And if I'm really honest, uh, I'd say my prayer life has been struggling for the last while. And uh, so I want to help others with prayer, but I want to help myself here too. And I think the best way I can help us with prayer is by showing how prayer relates to two other activities that we do, namely reading the Bible and meditating on the Bible. So two weeks ago, Thomas was with us and he spoke from Jude 20 about the first way of keeping ourselves in the enjoyment of God's love. And that's by building ourselves up in our most holy faith, which includes reading the Bible. And then Jude mentions a second way of enjoying God's love not only reading the Bible, but praying in the Holy Spirit. And it has been the testimony of generations of Christians that these two activities belong together, along with a third, meditation. So I am going to teach us about prayer today, but the way I plan to help us with our prayer lives is by talking about our time in the Bible. In fact, I'm so desperate to show listeners how Bible reading and prayer belong together and help each other, That last night, I did something, Matthew, that I have not done in a very long time. I wrote a little poem, and I'm terrible at doing this, but I'm hoping that a simple little rhyme will help us remember and internalize this truth. So here's how it goes. Before I read, I pray. Before I pray, I read. If in between I meditate, my heart knows what to say. Maybe I'll just say it again. It's so good, isn't it? Mm. Before I read, I pray. Before I pray, I read. If in between I meditate, my heart knows what to say. What I want to do is go through this little rhyme part by part and outline for us three movements that take place in prayer. I'm wondering if there is some Alfred Lord Tennyson scholarship or award that I could nominate you for, Mike. Uh, Even if not, I do think your poem will still be helpful even if people don't consider it to be in the same vein as some of those more famous Christian poets of a bygone era. But I'm looking forward to you taking us through it. So take us through the first part. Before I read, I pray. So you're ready to start your daily time in the Bible and prayer. You found a nice quiet spot in your house. You've tried to minimize distractions. and Maybe you have a delicious cup of coffee flavoring the room. Your Bible is open to the place that you're due to read today, and you have a little notebook and a pen to write down a couple thoughts. The first line of the rhyme, before I read, I pray, just means that it's really important that you ask for help before you read God's word. The Lord Jesus taught us in John 15 that we can't do anything apart from him, not even read the Bible profitably, and so we ask for the Lord's help. So you you take a moment or two to quiet your heart, and you pray a short prayer. It could be the prayer of Moses. Remember when he was up in the mountain, he said, show me your glory. And so we say, Father, show me your glory as I read your word. 
It could be the prayer of the psalm singer in Psalm 119. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things in your teaching. Then you start reading the Bible with confidence that the Father has heard and will answer your prayer. Before I read, I pray. Yeah, it's a very simple point, Mike, but these simple points and simple practices can be so powerful. So I really appreciate that reminder. I'm reminded of a helpful little book that I picked up a little while ago, digitally actually by Matt Smethurst. Before you open your Bible, nine heart postures for approaching God's word. And he talks about reading the Bible Christocentrically and studiously, obediently. But his first one, of course, is prayerfully reading our Bible prayerfully. When I prepare to read the Bible, I often think of the words of Francis Havergal's hymn, Lord, speak to me that I may speak in living echoes of thy tone. Mike, maybe you've got some other fresh expressions of prayer, though, to bring to our minds uh, that we could bring into our time with God's word. Do you have any other specific suggestions for us? Yeah, well, I like the the couple ideas you just gave there, but it is good to have a little variety. Maybe you have a verse you've been memorizing and you could use that. For example, Matthew 11, verse 28, where the Lord says, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. And you could pray, Lord, as I come to your word, I'm wanting to come to you. Please give me your rest as I read and pray. Paul has lots of great prayers you can use. Look at Ephesians 1 or Ephesians 3, for example. But here's one that I use a lot. Uh, John Piper made an acronym, I-O-U-S, and it's so helpful. The I is for incline. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Psalm 119, verse 36. So maybe as you're thinking about starting to read, you're realizing, I don't even want to read the Bible. I'm bored right now. I don't want to do this. Well, there's something you can do. You can ask God to help you want to. Incline my heart. So that's I. And then there's O for open. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your teaching. Psalm 119, verse 18. I owe you, unite, unite my heart to fear your name. Psalm 86, 11, we all have divided hearts and we can ask God to unite them so that we fear and love him with all our hearts. I owe you S, S is for satisfy. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Psalm 90, verse 14. Excellent, those are all beautiful and helpful. So you've taken us through the first part. Before I read, I pray. Let's move on to the second part, Mike. Before I pray, I read. Yeah, so the movement of a daily time with God is first a short prayer for help, and then read his word, and then respond to his word in prayer. That's what those first two lines in the poem get at. Before I read, I pray. Before I pray, I read. We pray, we read, we pray. I've talked to a few different people about this, and I think it's true that most of us lean one way or the other. I personally find reading the Bible the easiest, and I could read for a long time, but I really struggle with prayer. And others are the opposite. They just love to pray, but reading the Bible feels like a chore. And the key is to let the one help the other. We need to understand prayer as a communication, a communion, with God. It is two-way communication, back and forth. James tells us in his letter to be quick to hear, slow to speak. So we come into God's presence, we ask him to help us and be gracious to us. 
And before we just go on and launch into a great big full rehearsal of all our needs and, and, and wants and prayer lists, we, we try to take time to listen, to listen to him. Before I pray, I read. If you're following a Bible reading plan, you don't have to figure out where you'll read in the Bible. That's one of the advantages of having a, a reading plan. I, I used to spend so much time wondering where God would want me to read today. And it's so nice just to have a little plan and I just go on to the next chapter. And, and so you just do that. You've prayed and now you just go ahead and you read the chapter or two or three or four that you've committed to reading that day. But Mike, one of the things that discourages us sometimes as we read the Bible is that we'll have finished that part of our reading plan that we have for the day, our chapter or chapters for the day. And we sometimes feel like we haven't heard anything. We've ticked the box, we've moved the bookmark, but did we get anything? Right. Well, that's a common experience. I've experienced it many times too. Listening is a skill that takes work. And uh, we sometimes will say, you know, oh, so-and-so is such a good listener. Well, how did they become such a good listener? They likely developed and worked on that skill. And uh, we, we, we all live with people and work beside people. And we get so familiar with them that maybe we don't even hear what they're saying anymore. Well, that's similar to how it is when we read our Bibles. We're, we're reading the Bible, but we're not really reading. We're not really listening. And so there are two things you can do to break through this, this problem. The first and most obvious thing is just to slow down, slow down. Once you've read the portion, just circle back and read a smaller section of it slowly and closely. Try reading it out loud, that, that will help you slow down. And the second thing is to know what to look for. Be on the lookout for what you can see about God. And, and what you can see about yourself. What, what do you see about God in the passage? It could be something about the Father or the Son or the Spirit. What do you see about yourself? It could be some weakness or sin or need. It could be a reminder that you're God's creature and, and you're precious to him. So you're encouraging us to slow down. That will help us to listen. But from those couple examples that you just gave, I, I don't think you're saying that these quiet times need to necessarily become full-blown three hours of deep study sessions, do they? No, this doesn't need to take a lot of time. We, we need to slow down, but we don't need to take a lot of time to do it. So, so let's just do a quick example. The other night I was reading in Mark chapter 2. It's the chapter that begins with the story of the paralytic man uh, dropping through the roof. So I, I'm reading the chapter carefully my eyes glued on the words. I'm, I'm looking for something about God. And in this chapter, it's really easy to see the Son, God the Son, saying he has authority on earth to forgive sins. I see him choosing a lowly tax collector to follow him, and, and then he's eating in a room full of sinners. I learn a bit later that he's the bridegroom who will one day be taken away and so on. So I, I learn all these things about God. I see all these wonderful things about his Son. And I also learn things about myself. I, I see a reminder that I'm a sinner, uh, but that I too have heard Christ's word of forgiveness and, and that he's willing to have table fellowship with sinners like me. Good. So there's the first two parts of your rhyme. First, we pray briefly for help, then confident that the Father will answer us. Of course, he wants to speak to us. We read a portion of his word. Now, talk to us about this third part. We hear a lot about it, but... I think we rarely explain what is meant by it, meditation. 
Well, if you're following along, you know the next thing after reading the Bible is to return again to prayer. You've heard God speak, and now it's time to respond and speak to Him. But before you do, there's one really helpful and important thing to do. This is huge. This is a game changer. Let me say the poem again. Before I read, I pray. Before I pray, I read. If in between I meditate, my heart knows what to say. Meditate. That's the the, the key link in between. Don Whitney calls meditation the missing link between Bible intake and prayer. It's different from some modern forms of meditation. You know, you might hear people at work talking about meditation. And often these kinds of meditation are all about emptying the mind. But biblical meditation is instead about digesting what you've just filled your mind with. You've just read the Bible and now it's time to mull it over, to go over it again and again, to chew on it, to mutter it until it really catches in your heart. Matthew Henry taught that meditation is the best preparation for prayer and prayer is the best issue, the best fruit or result of meditation. Meditation and prayer go together. Another Puritan put it this way, as meditation is the sister of reading, so it is the mother of prayer. So what does this look like? Well, it really is as simple as reflecting on and chewing on what you've read. You've seen that Jesus loves to eat with sinners. Now you dwell on that truth and, and you push your heart right into it. You think about the wonder that Christ would love to eat with sinners such as, as yourself, such as myself. Tim Keller gives some helpful questions to ask if you want some help with meditating on a passage. And uh, maybe I'll just read those questions quickly. and You can come back and, and internalize them a bit more. You can ask, what does this text show me about God for which I should praise or thank him? What does this text show me about my sin that I should confess and repent of? What false attitudes, behaviors, emotions, or idols come alive in me whenever I forget this truth? What does the text show me about a need that I have? What do I need to do or become in light of this? How shall I petition God for it? And then finally, how is Jesus Christ or the grace that I have in him crucial to helping me overcome the sin that I have confessed or to answering the need that I have? So again, just to return quickly to Mark chapter 2, you see over and over from the passage that you are a sinner. As you read that page, you discover the Bible is reading you. You remember some of the ways you've sinned lately, that cruel word, that lustful look. You begin to feel guilty about your sin. So you look for something about God. There he is, the son, getting criticized by the religious authorities for forgiving sins and hanging out with sinners. He's the doctor whose medical practice specializes in sinners. And, and then your heart just leaps, like, isn't this wonderful? My need of forgiveness, my need of cleansing and acceptance is perfectly met by Jesus Christ, the doctor who specializes in people with problems like me. He's happy to meet with me. He welcomes me. He forgives all who trust in him. And so having mauled over this beautiful reality for a while, you begin to pray. You praise him for the wonderful things that you saw about him in the text. You confess to him the sins that that came alive in you or in your memory as, as you saw stuff about yourself in the text. You petition him for all the needs that you have that 
were, were revealed in the text, and you say, Father, help me to be like the tax collector Matthew, and leave my past life of sin behind me, and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And then, having prayed through the passage, you can move on to other things you need to ask for, or want to thank him for, then just take a moment to enjoy him one more time, and stand up and carry on with your day. As the day goes on, you can quickly refresh yourself with some of the truths you enjoyed earlier. Yeah, Mike, I think this point is absolutely crucial and it is one that gets overlooked. Um, I do believe there's value in reading plans and I've used them and we've got them there in our show notes at episode 48. But my one caution about them sometimes is that people people can feel a, a pressure that they've got to rush through their reading to keep up with this reading plan if they got behind a little bit. and you know, the goal isn't so much that you've got to read this massive quantity in a short period of time. The goal is to see Christ in the scriptures and to hear the Lord speak to you and to meditate upon the word. So yes, I, I would love it if we could read more. And I think following a, a system, a systematic approach to reading is great, but let's make sure that in that reading, we are taking time to think about what we are reading. And Mike, you've been making that point very well. I'd, I'd encourage our listeners just to, to think about what Mike's been saying. Just wind it back here about five minutes and listen to that counsel again. And think about how we can put Mike's little poem into practice. Before I read, I pray. Before I pray, I read. If in between I meditate, my heart knows what to say. Thanks, Matthew. I really appreciate you uh, giving us that caution about reading plans. All of these things are, are just servants for us. They're just to help us. But yes, the, the key is, is maybe to reduce it down. Is there one part of what you read that, that you really want to look at more and then chew on that, meditate on that until your heart knows what to say in prayer? He speaks to us and then we respond with words that have been shaped and, and flavored by his prior words through his Bible to us. Well, Matthew, you uh, you said something about me maybe being nominated for some poetry award. Uh, I'm pretty sure <laughs> that uh, any award that I receive for poetry would not be worth getting. But, um, but, you know, there was a man named George Herbert. I think that's how you say his last name, George Herbert. And he truly did write an amazing poem on prayer. And it's worth looking up. It's just called Prayer One. And I won't read it all because not only am I not good at composing poems, I'm not good at reading them out loud either. But the, the first stanza of his prayer says, Prayer, the church's banquet, angels age, God's breath and man returning to his birth, the soul and paraphrase, heart and pilgrimage, the Christian plummet sounding heaven and earth. The second line there says, God's breath and man returning to his birth. That's, uh, that's prayer. God breathed into us the breath of life. He, he put his breath within us. And prayer is when we just exhale back, as it were. We respond to the one who made us. He speaks to us, and we respond to him in prayer. Yes, Lord, teach us to pray. And thank you, Mike, for what you've taught us today. I appreciate these words, and thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Mike, do you want to touch for us one more time just on the February plans that we've got coming up? Yeah, just briefly, we've covered this before, but we'd really like it if many of you would get a copy of Key Bible Concepts and you'd read a few chapters in that book along 
They'll be synced up to what we cover in the weekly episodes through the month of February. And so basically you'll, you'll do what Thomas told us to do, which is to build ourselves up in our most holy faith. You'll read a chapter of the book. You'll learn about these great doctrines of justification, reconciliation, sanctification, redemption. And then what Matthew and I will try to do is uh, in a way that works for even those who haven't read the chapter in the book, we'll just try to, to talk a little bit and meditate, meditate a little bit on how these truths live and, and how they make a practical difference in our lives. So please get a copy of that book and join us for that challenge. And I think that's all for today. Well, Mike, before we say that's all for today, I wonder, I think we should have a little reward for people reading that book as well. So what I'd like to do is if you do read that book, brothers and sisters, please let us know and we will put a few names. We'll select a few names from a draw and give you uh, a free copy of another book by David Gooding. Um, so just let us know if you do read that book over the next six weeks or so, and we'll put your name in the draw for the free book. Yeah. So will they need to read the whole book, Matthew, or just a few chapters of it? Or what are you thinking? Well, it's not a very long book, Mike. And I think it all of it would be good for them. So, hey, let's say that if you read all of the book, we're still going to go by the honor system, but if you read all of the book, Key Bible Concepts, let us know and your name will go in the draw. Sound good? Yeah, that sounds fair. Thanks for offering that. All right. And thank you everybody for tuning in today. Yeah. Have a great day, everyone. God bless you. Mm -hmm.